Hey, Praise Chapel of Paramount, welcome to our podcast. This message continues our series, One, with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message called One Encounter. If you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then be sure to check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. It's loaded with information, tons of resources, constantly being updated. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome everyone. You can be seated. And we appreciate your liberality and generosity to the Lord. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? Come on. Turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. And so we appreciate all of you making an effort to come. And uh, we had a wonderful time at our 9 o'clock service and looking forward uh, to ministering here a second time at 11 o'clock. And again, we're on the series, The One, or One. And actually, this series is going to go two months, not one month. It's going to be two months. And again, we're talking about the one moment, the one act of service, the one uh, action that we take, that one person can make a difference, no matter who you are. Last week, I talked about one person going the extra mile. And we talked about Rebecca going above and beyond And the week before that, I talked about the power of one. We're not looking behind. One thing I do, I'm not looking behind me. I'm pressing toward what's ahead. And one thing, sometimes it's just one thing that we do that can make a difference in your life. And so this morning, I'm really excited about this message that I'm going to minister because when we first read the message, you're going to think, well, it really doesn't apply to me. It really doesn't relate to me. But you're going to see that all of us, in fact, most of them, I would say all the stories that Jesus talks about, we're in them. And talking about us, and if you really are honest with yourself, you're in that story somehow, some way. Maybe not exactly, but your life is in that story. And God can minister to your life. So I'm, I'm going to read a verse of scripture, and then I'm going to begin to pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. And it's John chapter 8, verse number 2. As Jesus appeared again in the temple court, where all the people were gathered. So there he is in the courts of the temple. And all kinds of people are coming to hear him. And uh, they're gathered around. He sat down to teach them. So he began to minister the word of God. And then suddenly, basically, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman that was caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, God, that your word applies in 2021, that, God, we're in these stories. Lord, your word, God, resonates in so many areas. And God, I pray that we would just remove, God, help us to remove every distraction, maybe things that are on our mind, maybe perceptions of things that kind of block us from receiving. God, let us receive your word. God, help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. Let the word of God reach into the Uh, places of our soul that not only information but transformation i pray for the anointing of the holy spirit that i declare the word of god and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in jesus name and everyone said and so what i want to do this morning as we 
get further into the story, the Bible starts off, and John starts off chapter 8, kind of dramatic. Here is Jesus teaching the word of God. And suddenly, these Pharisees, the, maybe a, a few of them, maybe two or three, these self-righteous, legalistic Pharisees happen to catch a woman and a man in the act of adultery. And I always wondered, how did they catch them? Were they peeping toms? What was going on? How did they see? How did they even know of what was going on behind closed doors? Obviously, you don't commit adultery in the open. But somehow, these Pharisees caught them in the very act of adultery. But here's the thing. Where is the man at? The man wasn't being held accountable. They just happened to catch the woman. Uh, the man got away. I just don't believe it worked that way. But somehow, they caught the woman. They get hold of her. And they're going to bring her to Jesus to see what kind of judgment, to see what kind of decision that he's going to make over her life. What is he going to do with this woman that has been caught in the very act of adultery? Many scholars believe, though, that uh, this whole thing was planned. They think there was a prearrangement. They think that maybe these Pharisees had talked a man into seducing this woman. And therefore, when they were in the act of adultery, they would be able to bring her before Jesus and accuse her. And they let that man get away. Again, it's just a theory. But again, what we're seeing here is these religious people are are bringing this woman, uh, and she is guilty. There's no doubt. It's wrong what she was doing. She was caught in the act of adultery. There is no doubt about that. And we don't know if she was clothed or not. We don't know if she was able to grab a sheet or maybe completely naked. We have no idea. But there she is. She's put before Jesus and dragged and humiliated in front of everyone there because the Bible said there was a crowd of people. And there is no doubt in my mind that this is the darkest moment in this woman's life. This is the most humiliating moment in this woman's life. And there's no one to protect her. Everyone's around her with accusations. And she's being sentenced to death by these religious people, these self-righteous people, and they place her before Jesus. How many know Jesus is the king of kings? He's holy and he's pure. And they want to know what Jesus is going to do. And they said, should we stone her according to the law of Moses? In fact, let's read verse number 5, John chapter 8, verse number 5. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say, Jesus? And in verse number eight, they were using this question. We get to see the motive. How many know motives are everything? Motive behind what people do is everything. Someone can help you with a motive to get, to get something from you. People could do a lot of things, but their motive could be different. They said they were using their question as the trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So they wanted to catch Jesus or trap Jesus by his words. And the Bible said the law of Moses, if you are caught in adultery, you get stoned. Now, not recreationally, okay? You get stoned to death, amen? They throw stones at you or they throw rocks at you. 
And here they are, they're accusing this woman of adultery. She's been caught in the very act, and the law of Moses requires that you stone such a woman. You throw stone, uh, rocks at her. And it is true, that was the law of Moses, and this is what was supposed to happen. And so they're bringing him, they're bringing this woman to Jesus to see what he's going to say, because they want to get Jesus to try to contradict himself. Because if Jesus said to stone her, according to the law of Moses, then he would be contradicting love and mercy. If Jesus said, don't stone her, you know what, just let her off the hook for today. Don't, don't do anything. Then he would be going against the law of Moses. And there is also an additional dilemma in what he was saying. The additional dilemma was, if Jesus said, go ahead and have her stoned to death, then he would also be breaking governmental law because the only one that was able to carry out capital punishment was the Roman government. And so he would essentially be breaking Roman government law. So they wanted to get him in trouble, not only with the people by breaking the law of Moses, but they wanted to get him in trouble with the fact that he would be breaking governmental law and that he would be going against what he's been. They wanted basically to discredit Jesus. These were critics that were mad and jealous of Jesus and they wanted to discredit him before the people. And so they said, now we've got him. We've got him in a trap. No matter how he answers, we got him. But how many know they weren't dealing with a regular person? <laughs> they were dealing with Jesus. And Jesus is about to turn the table on them. Jesus is about to change his whole scenario on them. Because again, they were just using this woman as bait. They didn't care about this woman. They didn't care about the moral law. They didn't care about protecting her. And they were, they were professing like they wanted Jesus' advice. But it was all a sham. You ever talk to people? It's all a sham. It was all a sham. There was an evil strategy that led to degrading this poor woman in an attempt to ruin Jesus' reputation. That's all the motive was. It was a planned attack to destroy her life and create a trap for the ministry of Jesus. He, they wanted to trap Jesus to see if he would choose between forgiveness or obeying the law of Moses. And so now they're wondering, what would Jesus do? We get to this point in this story. What is Jesus going to do? One encounter, one shameful encounter of this woman that's here before Jesus. What is Jesus going to do now here's what i want to pause for just a moment before i answered that question because when we read the bible there are several messages that jesus brings in the word or that he's bringing to the people there is the message of repentance turn from your ways turn to god change of mind change of heart there's the message the, there's the gospel message gospel means good news so he said i've come to preach the gospel. He comes to bring good news. There's also the message of the kingdom. In other words, we're not to live according to the world standard, but God's kingdom standards. So he comes to bring the message of the kingdom. There's also the message of salvation. We all need a savior. We're lost. But this particular message that Jesus is going to bring 
It's going to be different. In fact, most of us have never really thought about it. Most of you here have probably never even heard so much of what I'm going to talk about. But it is in the gospel and it's going to be displayed or displayed in this very story that we're reading. And so I want you to turn to another verse of scripture here. In John chapter 1, verse 14, I'm going to tie these two together, and you're going to see how they fit perfectly together. It says, the word became flesh. How many know Jesus is the word? It said, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the, own, of the one and only, one and only son who came from the father. And here's what it says, full of grace and truth. Not partially, not a little bit, not halfway. It says full of grace and truth. It says that John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one that I spoke when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. So it's grace on top of grace. And then it says, for the law was given through Moses. We know the law was given. But grace and truth, what? Came through Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. The Bible says that, that he came full of grace and truth. We had just read that earlier. So I want you to repeat this with me, grace and truth. Grace and truth. I want you to remember that because that's exactly what we're going to see that is being displayed in the story of this woman that is caught in adultery. Now, when we think of Jesus, we think we have different uh, depictions of the character of Jesus. We have different depictions of who Jesus is to each one of us. As I was to ask you, who is Jesus to you? All of us would have a different portrait describing who Jesus is. All of us would have a different testimony. Some of us said, man, Jesus to me or God to me, he's the provider. Uh, he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jesus is my protector, man. When I, I, when I was just harming myself, Jesus came and rescued me. Jesus is my peace. Uh, when I was filled with anxiety, when I was looking for answers, Jesus gave me, he's my preserver. He preserved my life. He's my promise keeper. Hallelujah. And so we can look at all of those things that describe who Jesus is. But John, when he begins to give us a portrait of Jesus, he's not like Matthew who gives you the, uh, the lineage of Jesus and the generations of Jesus. He skips all of that and he goes right to the heart of who Jesus is. And he gives us the fact that Jesus is the word who became flesh. And he basically said, when you see Jesus, you're going to see two things. He is full of grace and truth. When you tell me you've had an encounter with Jesus, what you're saying is you had an encounter with grace and truth. You had an encounter with his grace and with his truth. And believe it or not, there's always this tension between grace and truth. Let me say that again. There is tension between grace and truth. There's a lot of tension right now in the world that we live in. There's political tension right now. There's racial tension going on in our world right now. There's economic tension that is going on right now. There is the, the health 
tension that is happening. There is a moral tension that is going on in our life right now. But sometimes there is tension describing who Jesus is. When I talk to people, especially other believers, there is a tension between who Jesus is. Everybody has a different description of Jesus. Some people will describe Jesus as full of love. Jesus just loved everybody. He just hugged everybody. He kissed everybody. He blew kisses as he walked. And yes, Jesus is love. I would agree with you. He is full of love. Jesus, God is love, the Bible says. So yes, when we describe Jesus, he is full of love. There is no doubt about that. But how many also know that Jesus is full of commitment? In fact, he demands commitment. He said, if anyone follows me, he has to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said, if you don't love me above your mom and dad and your whole family, you're not worthy of me. That's pretty hard commitment right there. And so you can talk to another person and say, no, Jesus is one of commitment, one of taking up your cross. Another person can say, no, Jesus is the healer. He healed my body. He healed my soul. He healed my mind. Hallelujah. I can feel him. He's in my hands. I can feel him. He's in my head. Hallelujah. And then, then you got the people. Jesus can be described as one of repentance. God demands that we not only get information, but we get transformation. We get a change of heart. And so, yes, he is a God of repentance. But most people don't describe him as being full of grace and truth. And yet, that's what the Bible said, that Jesus came full of grace and truth. It doesn't give us any of his earthly lineage, but John wants us to see and understand that Jesus is God, that he is divine, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that our only hope in this dark world is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And basically... God, basically, in the incarnation of Christ is the greatest picture of empathy. What I mean by that is we need empathy in our world, a Savior who feels what we feel, who knows what we feel, who sees what we see today. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're feeling because he put on human flesh and he can feel what you feel. You have a God that knows what you're going through today. Now, here's the great thing about the incarnation of Christ. How many know if you're sick, if somebody called you and said, man, I'm sick, what should I do? Well, here's the medical book. Read this. And most of us said, I don't need a medical book. I need a doctor, right? And so a, a, a doctor, why? Because we don't need, we need some, something that personifies the principles in the medical book, and that would be a doctor, Are you with me? If you were in legal trouble and I said, oh, here's the law book, you would say, hey, thanks for the law book, but I don't need a a law book. I need a lawyer because a lawyer personifies the law book and is able to carry out what's in that law. When you and I, as people of God, that before we came to Christ, we were lost in our sin. We needed hope and redemption more than just the law of Moses. We needed Jesus. Jesus personifies the principles of the word of God. 
He personifies God's word. His word became flesh. He put on human skin and dwelt among us. And the Bible says that when he did that, he came full of grace and truth. This is important for you to understand. It's important for every person in this building to understand how in the world could Jesus be full of grace and truth? Because those two words in reality do not go together. In fact, those two words in many ways are really opposite of each other. It's like beauty and the beast. They don't go together. It's like oil and water. They don't go together. On the surface, they don't seem to come together. And yet, let me just talk about a little bit about the grace of God. I've been saying he came full of grace and truth. What is grace? If you can just fathom the grace of God. Think about this. That no matter what you've done or where you've been, that God's grace can meet you right where you are, even if you don't deserve it and you didn't even earn it. Hallelujah. And grace is the essential part of God's character. You cannot come to God unless he gives you grace. Grace is so closely related to the benevolence of God or the love of God or the mercy of God or the forgiveness of God. His grace is willing to forgive us and bless us abundantly even though we don't deserve it and to be treated so generously by God. Friend, if that doesn't bring tears to your eyes, you don't understand the grace of God. You don't understand how grace works in your life. So often, I've told you, so often, I walk in this building, I said, my goodness, what am I doing here? It is the grace of God. There are oftentimes I'm crying. There's oftentimes I got to get a hold of myself. I won't be able to preach because I think about the grace of God. Not only does the grace forgive us, but it empowers us. I mean, he gives us grace that covers us and empowers us. My goodness, no matter what you've done, that God can reach you. No matter where you've been, the grace of God can reach you. That Jesus would go to hell, that you, that man, that he didn't deserve to get you to heaven that you don't deserve. Hallelujah. That Jesus was willing to do all of that. That's grace. Grace that is lavished upon us. Grace that is unmerited favor. It never runs out. I love that song. It never runs out. Never runs out. That we can approach the throne of grace, amen, with boldness to receive mercy. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Man, his grace is powerful and wonderful. How many thank God for his grace today? But then let me just say this, right when you're resting in his grace, right when you're basking in the sunlight of his grace, then we got truth. I said truth. Say truth. And here's the thing about truth. His standard is so holy and it's so high and so perfect and so flawless that on your best day of righteousness, you can't meet it. That on your most holy day, on your most focused and consecrated day, your righteousness is like filthy rags to God. Your righteousness is still dirty rags to God. How in the world then can we have grace and, 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 uh, grace and truth? 
How many know the Bible says the truth will set you free? It'll often tick you off before it does, though. Am I right? How many know the truth hurts? Just be honest. The truth hurts. I mean, when you start, people that tell me the truth, you can't handle the truth. That's the truth right there. Because what happens is the truth gets in us, and we say, you know, Pastor, tell me the truth as long as it doesn't expose anything. Pastor, tell me the truth as long as, you know, you don't get me mad and get me upset. The truth will often tick you off. I can't tell you how many times I'm preaching the truth here in church and people get mad and say, I know he was looking at me when he said that. I know, I know he knows what's happening in my life. I, I literally, I had some, someone here that was coming to church with his wife and he, when he first started coming, he literally said, I knew that my wife had been talking to you because every sermon was about me, he said. And sometimes he'd be sitting there in the chair and just looking at her. Like, I know, I know what you did. And she'd be like, what are you talking about? You talked to him. You talked to him. Yeah, and you told him what's going on. And so somehow when she would call me that night, I would change the whole sermon around just for him. That's what he thought. For months, he wouldn't even talk to me. He was so mad at me because the truth will hurt you. Man, the truth will get in your face sometimes. Am I right? And so that's what happened before it sets us free. Many times we're ticked off because it exposes a lot. And how many know even COVID-19 will expose the truth in people? Start finding out what people are really made out, made out of. They're, they're angry, man. They're divisive. Man, all of a sudden they're political. I didn't even know you had any politics in you. Amen. What happened to you? See, truth, listen to me. Truth is the pill everyone wants to give out, but no one wants to swallow. You want to give out that truth pill, but you don't want to swallow it yourself. His truth hurts, but his grace is wonderful. Hallelujah. So how could Jesus be full of grace and truth? This is what we call a paradox. Listen to me. I know it sounds like a complicated word, but it really isn't. A paradox is like two opposites in one word. It, it, it wouldn't seem to make sense, but it does. Like bittersweet. I mean, you know, it makes sense, but you say, well, how could bitter and sweet, but they go together, jumbo, shrimp. How did they go together? How can you go jumbo and then shrimp? How did they, but it goes together, right? It goes together. So these are opposites many times that we read. And so many times when we read stories of Jesus, they're like a paradox. It seems opposite, yet it makes sense. Jesus made these uh, uh, statement that seemed like a paradox here. Look in Luke chap- chapter 17. He said, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. If you let your life go, what? You'll save it. Doesn't make sense, but it does in the kingdom. He says in Matthew 23, 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That don't make sense. The last is always last, but no, Jesus is the last going to be first. Am I right? So there is this tension in the grace and truth. And if we're honest this morning, most of us lean to one side or the other. Often it's based when it's convenient. When it's convenient for you, you lean toward the truth. And then when it's other convenience, you lean toward the grace. So often we're leaning one or the other. We're not often operating in grace and truth together. You guys got quiet. What happened? I don't know what happened. 
See, let me just tell you about grace people. Are you ready? Grace people, they just love everybody. They want to hug it out. Man, can't we all just, uh, you know, work it out? Can't we all just get along, right? They want to hug it out. They want to love you. They want to kiss you. They want to forgive you. These are gracious people. You know, grace, grace all over the place in your faith. Man, let's just have a lot of grace. I just love you. And, you know, let's not even worry about it. And we love grace people. Am I right? I mean, grace people are awesome. And they'll just do everything. They forgive. They just have this great heart. They're happy all the time. And it's wonderful to be around grace people. But the problem with grace people, sometimes we show so much grace that we lowered the standard of truth. Are you with me? We used to call this in, 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 my, in my early walk, we called it greasy grace or loosey-goosey grace or the grace that kind of gets you, you know, uh, licensed to sin grace, right? There's so much grace, you can do whatever you want to do. I'm under grace, I can do whatever you want. And, and, and then so what happens when you have that kind of grace, there's no truth and there's no standard. But then you got the truth people and the truth people will tell it like it is. How many have met some truth people? They either one or the other. Truth people, man, they're not afraid of anybody. I mean, they will tell you the truth. They will point, they will slap you with truth. The moment you get around, these are the very ones that never hit like on any of your Instagram, never hit like on any of your Facebook. But the minute you post something that's controversial, the minute you post something they don't agree with, man, they're going to give you a piece of their mind. They're going to give you some truth. They're going to tell you how it is. This is truth. And these are true people, man. They'll, they'll, they'll get there. They're quick. They get in your face, tell you the peace of mind, all of But the problem with the truth people, are you ready? They're so busy touting the truth and boasting about the truth and pointing their finger that they forget they're going to need the grace that they refuse to give. Because one day, all of us are going to need the grace you're so busy with truth that you don't realize one day you're going to need the grace that you refuse to give others. And so this is why the Bible says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. See, I want you to understand something. The tension of life is how, and for every believer in every church, how do we balance grace and truth? Because grace, listen to me, write this down, without truth ceases to be grace. And truth without grace crushes people and ceases to be true. Listen to me, grace without truth is meaningless. And truth without grace is just plain old mean. But grace and truth is medicine. Hallelujah. See, the woman that was caught in adultery, that was true. The law revealed her guilt, but love revealed God's grace. Jesus is the totality of grace and truth. He brings healing and truth, especially in the world that you and I live in today, that is so divided, our lives need to be tethered to grace and truth. As long as I'm here, this church is going to be preaching grace and truth. I have people all the time, you need to preach the truth, Pastor. Yeah, but I need to preach grace too. It's grace and truth. It's not just true. It's grace and the Bible says he came in with full of what? 
Grace Andrew. He used to be the coach of the church. Was I don't know how it became that way, but but we had to change it. As soon as somebody came into the church, we said, "You you have to believe. You, you got to become a believer." And then when you believe, you you need to start behaving, bro. You need you need to behave right now. And then after you behave, then you belong. Then now you belong here. You you're, you're one of us. And I, I just figured, I just said this is this is not the gospel. As soon as people walk into these doors, they belong here. They already belong. And then we're praying they're going to start believing. And they're going to get enough belief in them that they're going to start behaving. And then they're going to become what God called them to be. How many can say amen? Because we need grace and truth. They need to go together, not one or the other. And oftentimes what we have is one and another or one or the other. We need to show grace when it's needed, truth when you have to, not 50% grace, not 50% truth, but 100% grace and 100% truth. See, the gospel flies on the wings of grace or grace and truth. How many know a bird can't fly with one wing? A plane can't fly with one wing. You just can't, you just can't fly with grace. You need truth. And you say amen. You can't just fly with truth. You need grace. And so it flies on the wings of grace and truth. It's like this. I heard this illustration. It's like a violin. When a violin, when the strings are too loose, you, don't, you can't get no sound out of it. They're too loose. When they're too tight, the strings will bust too hard. But when you tune it just right, grace and truth, you get a harmony. See, I believe the church needs to be full of grace and truth. I believe the gospel that we preach needs to be full of grace and truth. It needs to know, yes, truth is here, but we need grace to get there. Can you say amen? And so Jesus lived in this tension during that time of grace and truth. And the people of the law, the religious people, could not understand what was going on. He's supposed to be holding up the truth. He was supposed to be upholding the truth. But somehow Jesus was hanging around with sinners. He was hanging around with prostitutes and tax collectors and low-life people. And yet they couldn't comprehend if he's supposed to uphold the truth. Why is Jesus hanging around these people that are messed up from the floor up? The teachers couldn't comprehend. Why is Jesus hanging around with these kind of people? Jesus was drawing the marginalized people. The messed up people were coming. They loved coming to hear Jesus. And this is what I realized. We need to ask ourselves as the church, if we're not attracting those kind of people that Jesus attracted, then we're really not preaching the gospel that Jesus is preaching. If our church is only drawing those that are uppity and those that got it all together, then we're not preaching the gospel. Are you hearing me? Jesus, man, drew all these people. It was, he was filled with grace and truth. Now, I want to go back to this story because it really brings something as they, these prideful, stuck-up teachers. Can I use that word? They were stuck up. And they throw this woman who is caught in adultery in the very act. In fact, let's go back to that story out of uh, their, uh, John chapter 8. 
they gathered and they, they brought this woman. They, were, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Again, they were using this as the trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But what did Jesus do? I love Jesus because he doesn't, he doesn't get caught up in the drama. I mean, people, they give you all the drama. Ah, like, be quiet. You know, I, you know what Jesus do? He doesn't even pay attention to what's going on. He doesn't, he, the Bible said Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And they kept questioning him, Jesus, we demand an answer. This is heavy, man. This is going on right now. We need to know the answer. You ever hear people, they get all dramatic? Calm down. Shut up. Just shut up. Let let God move. He's going to touch your life. You don't need to get all dramatic. The church got to do this. People got to do that. You know, all this thing. Anyway, let's go. He straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down again. He's not getting dramatic at all. And he rolled out on the ground. At this, those who heard it began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you no one sir she said then neither do i condemn you jesus declared go now and leave your life of sin others translation said go and sin no more see what i love about jesus is jesus is not shocked by people's sin there's so many so many of us we're shocked like can you see did you see that guy walk in why are you so shocked you look worse than that guy when you first walked in. Oh, my goodness. You see that? You see that? Like, we're shocked by people saying, oh, you know, you know what kind of person that is, don't you? You know, that it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, he's buzzing right now. You know, oh, my goodness, he's on a buzz. He's here in the church. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Pastor, what do we do? Let God touch him. Let him sit there. He's not bothering no one. Let God get a hold of him. What's the problem? Pastor, do you know? Those people that came, they're not married. They're living together. What do we do? Let God get a hold of them. Let God change their life. Let them come. Don't kick them out. Are you hearing me? People are so shocked because what happens is humanity gets shocked because we tend to categorize sin as big and little sin. And Jesus sees sin as sin. See, it's easy, listen to me, it's easy to look at somebody that doesn't have the sin that you have and judge them. Very easy to do that. Yeah, you've never walked that road. You've never had that. It's easy to, but the Bible said all of us have sinned and fall short. They fall short, you fall short. See, we're not careful, we become the judge. See, you can know the word, but you don't know the author. I know a lot of people that know the word, but they don't know the author. They don't know the author who is full of grace and true. Why are you stressing about all of that? Why are you, that God's going to take care of it? They're all stressed out. Jesus, what do you want us to do? I love what Jesus does. I'm taking a cue from Jesus. He does it. He's not quick. 
to respond to his critics. Pastor, they said this about you. What are you going to say? God bless them. We love them. He doesn't get all dramatic. See, the enemy wants you to react. All right? Jesus doesn't react. He responds, I should say. He doesn't react to his critics. He responds to them. See, when you react, you seem to be quick. A, a reaction is like a quick response. But when you respond, it, uh, it's deliberate. It's more concise. Can you say amen? Jesus responded. He didn't react. How did he respond? He started writing on the dirt. Woo, let me just see. Let me write down. Everybody's all dramatic. What are we going to do with Jesus? And he's just writing. How are we going to respond? They said this about us on Facebook. Uh, we're going to write something here on the ground. No, don't worry about it. God bless them. We love them. Are you with me? I don't have time for critics, man. I have the devil accusing me all the time. I ain't got time for other people. I'm fighting the devil. I'm not fighting flesh and blood. People always say, Pastor, what are we going to say? See, we're no different than this woman who's on the ground. We're no good and sinful just like her. Let's be honest. Maybe we can't see your sin on the outside, but man, how dark is it on the inside? Sometimes within the inside is darker than what's on the outside. Hallelujah. And so here this woman, she is guilty. We know Jesus is ignoring their question and he's writing on the ground. And this is what the translation, the Greek word for him writing on the ground is, uh, is graphen or catagraphen which means to write down. That's where we get the word graphic. And so catagraphic means to write down a record against. So in other words, Jesus was writing down a record. Could it be he was writing down a record of their sins? So you're standing there with a stone in your hand and Jesus is looking at you and he starts writing down your sin. And you're saying, man, I don't like where this is going. That's me. You can't handle the truth. See, that all the truth hurts, doesn't it? And then the other guy starts looking at it. Man, that's my sin. And then it starts getting longer. Oh, man, I don't like where this is going at all. And then Jesus said, he that is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And from the older one to the younger one, they all began to throw down their stones because they realized at that moment that they were not more righteous than her because this is where truth or grace and truth come in. I said, this is where grace and truth comes in. And I love what he does after that. He turns to the woman and he says, who's accusing you? See, some of you this morning, you're still living under condemnation. Some of you this morning are still living under the accusations of the enemy. Enemy still condemning you. What are you doing? I can't believe you're lifting your hands. You might as well leave. Your life is messed up. Come on, you're not fooling nobody. They all know what's going on in your life. In fact, nobody even likes you in this church. Why don't you leave? That's how, how, how the devil works. Am I right? They're, look, did you see the way they looked at you? Right? And you don't even know. They're, gonna, they're, they're, they're having digestive problems, but, and they happen to look at you, but you thought it was a look to you. Sometimes they're looking behind you and they're mad at the wife over there and they thought, well, he's looking at me. No, he's looking at, he's mad at his wife right now. He wasn't even looking at you. But you get all offended. You get all upset. You're mad. They're looking at you wrong. And the devil loves to, to make that magnify the problem. 
He loves to bring accusations and all these condemnations. And this is why I love what Jesus is saying. He said, where are your accusers? He goes, neither do I. Jesus is not out to condemn you. He's out to bring grace and forgiveness. And he said, neither do I condemn you. But he charged her with this. See, this is where truth came in. He gave her the grace. Then the truth says, go and sin no more. See, there was grace. Then he brought the truth. Now that I've given you grace, now that I've forgiven you, now that you got that part in your life, now you need to walk in truth and stop sinning, stop doing what you were doing, start living right. See, God is full of grace and truth. The people of God here today in this room and those that are watching online, we need to be people that are filled with grace and truth. See, we lean one way or another. No, we need both. I often get people, they're, they got a lot of truth, but they got no grace. And that's a hard pill because one day you're going to need the grace that you refuse to give. You're going to need to give other people grace. I've had to learn that in my life of pastoring. There's some people, they've done things that man, I never heard of. They're, they're just blowing my mind. I said, man, but God, you're full of grace. Hallelujah. Just like you gave me grace, you're going to give those people some grace. And so let's live our lives filled with grace and truth. Jesus forgave this woman. She was restored. He didn't shame her. He didn't talk about her. He didn't say, I can't believe you came. I can't believe you did all this. He gave her grace and truth, and she walked in the freedom of grace and truth. So let's bow our heads today, this afternoon. Father, we thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you today that you are a God of grace and truth. That one encounter that this woman had, she had an encounter with grace and truth. It changed her life. She thought she was going to die that day. She thought she was going to be judged that day. She thought she was going to get a death sentence. But she got grace and truth that day. Because Jesus, you are full of grace and truth. So, Lord, across this room, across this church, Lord, today, you're pouring out your grace and truth today. If you're in this place right now, you're listening to me online, whoever you are right now, I want to share the truth to you, with you today. And the truth is, we're all sinners. That's the truth. The Bible says, well, for we all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we can't measure up. We can't make it to heaven on our own. That's the truth. Truth is, the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. It is death. The wages of sin is death. But then here comes grace. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's his gift. That's his grace. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish. But what's going to happen? They're going to have everlasting life. They're not going to perish. And so today, that's the grace. Truth is, we're lost without God. Truth is, we don't have a chance. There's no hope. But grace says, he'll forgive you. He'll come in your life. And so this morning, you're confronted with the truth. You need the Lord in your life. Be honest with yourself. Be honest 
with God. You need God in your life. That's the truth. But grace says he's willing to forgive you today. He's willing to pour out his grace and forgive you and change your life today. So if you're watching online, if you're here in this room right now, I just want to tell you today that there's truth that is going out, but there's grace today that wants to forgive you. And all you have to do is be honest with God. Be honest with God. Be truthful today. Say, Pastor, I want to be honest. I need the Lord in my life. And friend, when you're honest with God, when you admit today that you need him, he'll pour out his grace. You've got to humble yourself and say, you know what? I need God's forgiveness. Whoever you are right now, raise your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor. I need the Lord in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. We don't want you to leave here without him in your life. Raise your hand, whoever you are. Just raise your hand. Maybe you're watching online. Let us know that you need the Lord in your life. Is there somebody somewhere? Somebody somewhere over here? God bless you. They need the Lord in their life. Amen. Maybe you're watching online. You need the Lord in your life right now. Let us know. Maybe you were once walking with God. And let's just be truthful. You're not living for God right now. Let's just be truthful. You're not living for God right now. You're not walking with God. You know his word, but you're not walking. Be truthful. You need to come back. And that's the grace of God. He lets you come back. And so today, grace is saying, rededicate your life to him. Grace is reaching out to you. Who are you right now? I need to come back to the Lord. Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to him. Raise your hand over here. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? Amen. Why don't we all stand together right now? How many will be honest today and say, Pastor, I, I, I need to walk in grace and truth today? Raise your hand. Who are you right now? Say, That's me, man. I, I need to have that in my life right now. All of us, all of us. You know, why don't we come to the front? Why don't we make our way? Just whatever it is. Maybe, maybe today even you feel a little condemned. You feel a little unworthy even to be in church, man. I, I tell you, the devil, man, he's an accuser. If you need prayer this morning, just come. Just come, amen. Just come. Several people, they just need prayer. I want you to know there is enough grace today to touch your life. You're not perfect. None of us are. You're not looking at anyone perfect. I can tell you, I'm, I'm far from perfect. I have a lot of flaws in my life, but thank God for grace. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you all my problems. She'll tell you all my faults. But thank God for grace. And so this morning, why don't we pray right now? Why don't we lift our hands this morning? They're going to lead us in worship. People are going to get with you and pray with you today. If you need the Lord in your life, let us know. They're going to have people praying with you. I think there's someone over here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected... Follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.